Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll discuss radio call signs. We'll talk about how they came to be, how they are used on different radio services, and the rules for using them properly. We'll also take some of your comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by... By TwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. By TwoWayRadios.com, your radio specialist. We've talked about many aspects of two-way communications over the years, but there's one topic in particular that, although we've touched on from time to time, we've never really explored on its own. This is the topic of the radio call sign. It's discussed in various social media venues these days in response to questions such as, do I need a call sign? Which radio services require one? How and where do I get one? What do they mean? How do you use one? And can I use the same call sign for one service for all the services I use? They're important questions to be sure, and today we want to answer them. But before we do, let's start with the most basic of these questions. What is a call sign? Well, the, the question I hear all the time is from GMRS guys. How long does it take to get my call sign? I paid for my license and uh, I, uh, I, I'm all set. I've gone through the process. How long do I have to wait before I can transmit on my radio? But you're, you're right. Uh, we should start with the basics. Rick, Rick, you have done an immense amount of research for this episode. I'm, I'm looking at pages and pages of notes here. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. I think you should tell the story of what is a call sign and how how we got here with call signs and, you know. The, where we're going with Where we're going. The yeah. call what's the future of call signs? What's the future? <laughs> I have well, some complaints about call signs. Remind me to get to that later. Okay. This, uh, is, this is my chance. All right. Well, don't forget to, to get to the complaints about call signs. Let me write that down. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, call signs were originally created for wired telegraph communications. This was back in the 1800s. This, this, these are the wired communications using Morse code. This was back in the 1800s. And when the wireless telegraph was invented, um, and then they had early radio stations that were transmitting uh, this code, and they began to proliferate all across the globe, then they realized the necessity to have these calls standardized in some ways, which is how the call sign came to being. And originally, they had it set up for, I think, about uh, three-letter call signs, three letters of three alphanumeric uh, digits. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the actual criteria was for it, but the and initially, the International Wireless Telegraph Convention set up a 
three-letter standard around 1906, and it was initially used for maritime communications. This was initially for use of maritime vessels, uh, merchant marine vessels and whatnot traveling around the globe. And the problem with that is that even though there was some sort of a three-letter standard, the uh, initial call signs were not standardized themselves, so it became a little bit messy. And uh, when radio station licensing began with the Radio Act of 1912 uh, here in the U.S., then this really became more of a standard. Uh, Stations were assigned call letters according to their location. Now, the interesting thing about that was that if the call sign, and, and this was true of the merchant marine vessels at the time, if it was a marine vessel, the call sign, it started with a W if the ships were on the Atlantic or the Gulf Coast, and it started with a K if it was in, on the Pacific Coast. And this was sort of adopted when they went to terrestrial radio stations, commercial radio stations, where if it was on the east of the Mississippi River, then it was issued a W for the beginning of the call sign, for the for the prefix. And if it was west of the Mississippi, it was issued a K. That's Is that why, still the case, like with TV stations? Uh, do we um, have... Pretty I know much. Of, we're, we're in the Charlotte area, and I know all of ours start with a W. So WFNZ, yeah. W, yeah. yeah. WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> it's east yeah, of so the, it's east of the Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. But on the west, you'll have uh, radio and television stations. They all start with a K. Huh? They all start with a K. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's that's how that came to be. I learned something today. I did. Yeah. I, look at that. How about that? <laughs> so they were using call signs even back in the old telegraph days with Morse code. Like if you go to Western yeah. Union to get a telegraph sent to someone across the country, mm-hmm. there, there was a call sign. I guess the the station transmitting the telegraph would. That's my understanding huh, historically. Yeah, that that they uh, that that started uh, way way actually before terrestrial wireless commercial stations began. And of course, this carried over to um, some of the radio services that we use now, the personal radio services. And that comes to the question, well, which services require a call sign? Because not all radio services do. Now, obviously, commercial radio stations, broadcast stations, they all have to have a call sign. And Maritime stations, as I mentioned already, but then you have amateur amateur radio. They have to have a call sign. GMRS radio uh, requires a call sign. Uh, NOAA weather stations, because they're broadcast stations, they require one as well. Uh, the military uses them. They have uh, uh, call signs in the military. Highway advisory uh, stations, you know, like if you're going down the highway and the you know tune to this. To this frequency for for highway information, mm-hmm. they they generally have the call signs and experimental stations. They're used for experimental purposes. They all require them. Um, the ones that don't are typically a lot of the personal services that are non license or don't require a license per yeah, se. Like basically, FRS, if you have to get uh, an FCC license for using any type of radio, you're going to be assigned a call sign. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And uh, if, if, if you don't need a license, for the most part, FRS, MERS, the 900 megahertz license-free uh, services, uh, some of those unlicensed services don't. Now, the interesting thing is CB. 
originally, CB required a license and then did away with that back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But pretty much CB radio, they don't require a call sign, but it's a common practice for everyone to have a handle. And uh, that's what most people use. They use their own handles and they make up their own handles. So, and I mean, that's kind of, that really is kind of the Wild West there of radio still. Sure. I guess it's sort of, uh, they use a handle like amateur would use a call sign for right. identifying yourself. But but the handle isn't a station identifier like the call a signs is, are. I think of a hand, handle as like a username. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a personal. Smokey. Operator identifier. Yes. Smokey. <laughs> Smokey. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so, uh, yeah, Smokey. Good example. And, uh, yeah, excellent example. Just watched Smokey in the Bandit last week. <laughs> did you really? I did. Still holds up pretty well. It does. It's not going anywhere. It? No. <laughs> I had John on last episode. I think he's got Smokey in the Bandit on, like, a loop. Oh, yeah, I think he does. I think <laughs> he, he probably I think when he gets in the CD. car, he's got the uh, the the theme song playing and everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is ringtone. This is ringtone. <laughs> so, I mean, that's basically where we are with with radio call signs that's kind of the history of the the call sign and uh, I'm we're not going to go too much in the weeds for the anatomy of call signs per se but uh, and I I think we already touched on that the W's and the K's there's also an N that's used uh, some of that comes uh, in, I think uh, some of the military uses uh, N the letter N well, of course a lot of these are stations, broadcast stations that go way back to 1912, almost 1912. Like my son, my son's currently attending Appalachian State, and he's working at the radio station and the TV station there. Uh, The radio station there is WASU. It's an FM station that that he works at. And of course, that's east of the Mississippi, so that covers under the the W, but that's a station that's been around for a long, long time, WBT Radio here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That station's been around for a hundred years. Hundred years, yeah. You know, and uh, that's another one. Well, let's get back to the amateur and the GMRS services because those are the two services that really we get a lot of uh, feedback on, a lot of questions about. You know, as far as the use of call signs. On the amateur and the GMRS service. Yeah, amateur and GMRS, you're you're required to announce your call sign over mm-hmm. the air at uh, various periods of time, and uh, that that is not a requirement on some other services that have call signs. For example, if you get a business two way radio license, you'll be assigned a call sign. Mm-hmm. Most businesses have no idea what their call sign even is. When we do a, a business radio license um, for a customer. You know, they, they're not asking for their call sign. Of course, we, we provide it, but mm-hmm. it's not something that, you know, they have to transmit ever. So it's just uh, yeah. letters on a piece of paper. Well, in the case of the amateur, this is a very interesting way the the call signs are assigned in uh, in amateur radio. And once again, I'm, I'm not going to get too far into the weeds on this, but um, they also use a prefix, a letter prefix of KN or W, and then they have a you know, sometimes there's two-letter prefix. Is that based on geography? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the there's a uh, one or two, three-letter suffix. One, two, or three-letter suffix that's separated by numeral. It's the numeral in the middle 
that primarily indicates the geographic region because there are different geographic regions uh, for for amateur radio, and it's that num the numeral that's in the middle that that tells you what region you're in. And uh, like for instance, uh, mine that the the number the numeral that's used in mine is four. Uh, you know, KK four. Uh, I think yours is four also, right? I, I went vanity. Oh, you went vanity. I did. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second because people have questions about that. Uh, yours also uh, was a four, right? Yes, uh, KK four. Yeah, because that's our that's the region that we're in. We're in region four, so it's the numeral in there that indicates what region we're in. So someone in California could get a KK. Um, you know, I don't know what region that it's in right offhand, but. Yes, with the vanity call signs, that's the difference. You, you kind of get assigned a regular call sign, and then and the FCC sort of designates what that call sign is going to be, but you can request a vanity call sign. And if it's available, um, some of those letters can be... Um, so what's, what's the process for doing the vanity call sign? Is that you just go on their website? Yeah, you know that. Just, I just logged in, and this is when it was free, because I think they're charging now for... Or they're about to. Or they're about to. They're about okay. to, yeah. Yeah, I did it last year, and it was just a matter of logging in, and then you give them like three choices, mm-hmm. and you know from ranked one to, to through three, and, and you then, put in your own choices. Yeah, you put in your you own want. choices, yeah. right? And then, um, and then they they, I think it took like forty eight hours. That was pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. So and then they say, "Here's your new call sign." Wow. They don't. They don't. Give you an option. So if, if you have to, you have to want one of those three because you can't, if they, if the third option is you're kind of on the fence about it. Do you get to rank them or? Yeah, uh, you can rank them. Yeah. Okay. First, yeah. First, second, and third. Okay. So if the first one isn't available, then, then right. it goes, slides down to the next one right. and then whatever you. Are, are there any restrictions? Like it has to start with a W or a K? Or it, it was, it was either W or N okay. for vanity. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a. Okay. I don't think there was a K. I don't, I don't believe. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, um, there are certain combinations of letters that are not used as well. And I think that applies to the uh, assigned ones and the vanity uh, call signs. There are certain combinations you can't use. I think they treat it like yeah. a license plate. You yeah. Know, vanity yeah. license plate where you can't put something vulgar or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Yeah. So, um, and uh, you know, the other thing about amateur call signs is that uh, repeaters operated by ham clubs can be issued a co- their own call sign. So, like the one here in Rock Hill, mm-hmm. uh, K4YTZ, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. They can be assigned, the repeaters can be assigned for a ham club. And also, amateur stations that operate for special events usually look for ham clubs and things like that, or an ARRL event of some sort, they can be issued a special event call sign for the event. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing some kind of field day event or something like that, they can get, uh, they can apply for and get a special event call sign. Oh, wow. I wonder if and, they, they do that often. Um, they do. And, and there, there's actually a block of 750 of them, of these call signs that are reserved specifically for special event call signs. Okay. So they, they probably cycle through them and they get yeah, used yeah, repeatedly. for special okay. events. And that's the amateur. Now, a lot of people think, well, okay, uh, I've got an amateur call sign. 
then uh, I'm, I'm probably going to have a GMRS call sign that's the same thing. Well, they're, they're a little bit different. The GMRS call signs, they're typically seven to eight characters, and they consist of three letters and four digits, or four letters and four digits. And the call signs are issued sequentially by the FCC. They're going to uh, issue them sequentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's going to be issued sequentially. Now, since... I wish they would allow vanity call signs for GMRS. That would be kind of cool. I think everyone would like that. I think I think if you popped it for 50 bucks a pop, mm-hmm. all the I think everybody would do it. I think it's a way to make money, and I think... Because I hate my call sign. It's too... It's, I have to have it written down. You don't like your vanity call sign? No, I don't like my GMRS <laughs> call sign. My, my GMRS oh, your call GMRS sign. call sign. Okay. Yeah, it's just too long. I had to, like... Because I have four letters, three numbers, mm-hmm. and I had to uh, remember yeah, say some words from- in my head to go, um, you know, so I knew, could remember. Yeah, because you can remember. Right. It. I had to put the, you know. I had the same problem with my GMRS. It's really hard to remember. It, for some reason, it that never happened with the amateur call sign. I, the amateur I, was easy. It, yeah. it took me a year to remember my GMRS call sign, and I even had to put a label on the back of a couple of radios with it so I could turn it over and remember what I the call sign too. was. Yeah. And as far as the rest of the family is concerned, because the call signs, the GMRS call signs are good for the whole family. So... As far as the rest of the family is concerned, I kind of had to keep the labels on them so they know. But um, the way the interesting thing about the GMRS call sign, because it can be used by entire family, and some people, and this is a common question, somebody will ask, "Hey, my call sign. If I've got my wife and my three kids all using these radios, we can't all use the same call sign because it's just going to confuse everybody." So how does that work? Well, it, it's actually very simple. You do use the same call sign, but then you attach a number, you assign a number to it that you can assign to each, you know, yeah, that you tag yeah. on and, in the suffix. And th- to I don't think there's, a, there's not a formal way to do it, but I, I've hear, pe- heard people say like um, your call sign and then unit two or yeah. slash two or slash, slash B or slash, slash C, you know, exactly something like that at well, the end. And and that's how it's done for families. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a common question because, yeah, you know, each call sign is unique in amateur radio to each operator, but yet when you go to GMRS, well, wait a minute, how does this work in GMRS? You know, yeah, if you have like three, four people, people doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it's done. You, you do that, you attach that uh, number to it or a, a designator for that particular person using that call sign. So that, and it's, it's pretty simple. But the, the rules, and that gets us into the rules of, of amateur NGMRS call signs anyway, because the rules are different. And there are a lot of hams, a lot of old hams that are just now getting a GMRS that think that the rules are same, the same across the board, and they're not. In fact, um, the rules are somewhat lenient for, I think, are more lenient for GMRS than than amateur. That's just my personal take, but I, I think they are. Uh, but like, for instance, they're, they're amateur, more lenient for, for GMRS. For GMRS, I think. Yeah. yeah for instance, amateur radio, you've got to give your call sign, what, every 10 minutes? Right. And at the end of the transmission, and most people, they, they'll do it at the very beginning too. They'll give the call sign out at the beginning. Or if they're listening, they'll give their call sign and say, you know, so and so is listening um, on the channel for any available station or whatever. And then 10 minutes, every 10 minutes, 
And then at the end of the transmission, when you're signing off, you give your call sign. GMRS is a little different. GMRS, um, you have to uh, basically give your call sign only every 15 minutes, after every 15 minutes, and at least one, uh, at least once every 15 minutes after that, you know, during the transmission until the uh, transmission ends, if it lasts longer than 15 minutes. And that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. You know, you just you just do it uh, following a single transmission. If you if it's just one transmission, at the end of that tr- first transmission, you give a call sign. And if you're doing it for a long period of time, just every 15 minutes after that till the end. So uh, I think that's uh, a little bit more lenient. Uh, does amateur require you to transmit your call sign at the end of each communication? Um, yeah, I believe it does. You must uh, transmit the call sign at the end of each communication, and at least every at least every ten minutes during the communication. Oh, I didn't realize it was required after every transmission. I mean, I, I don't. No, not uh, no, no. Not uh, after uh, every uh, time you release the at the end of the, at the end of your transmitting. Oh, QSO. Uh, when you're finished talking. Right, right. right. I get you. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I don't think anybody would get on there and talk if you had to do it after every. Uh, imagine the one one word answered, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, KK four. Blah 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 blah. Yes, KK four. No. Sorry. Yeah, you you were surprising me there. I was like, okay, goodness, that's, that's news to me. I don't hear that all the time. But this brings up another debate that goes on when you're talking about repeaters, because and, and this happened when we first started selling the KG one thousand G. And said, hey, you know, you can set up two of these and make a repeater out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the KG-1000G radios, which are extremely popular. We have a tar- hard time keeping them in stock. And a lot of people use them to set up their own little repeaters. The thing is that we've we've caught some flack in the past saying that, well, you have to have something on there to automatically uh, give out the the station ID every so often, because that's required on the repeater. And they're coming from the they're coming from the aspect of, or they're coming from the view of saying, well, this is just like an, an amateur radio repeater, where the amateur radio repeater does have to have that automatic ID call mm-hmm. every so often. Well, it's kind of true with GMRS to a point. If it's a standalone repeater and it's a public repeater that's 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 being accessed by everybody, right. you have to do that. Mm-hmm. The difference, though, is that if you're using it internally, if you're just using it, if it's a private repeater and you're u- just using it, you know, within your family, within the one call sign, you don't have to do that. No, there's no it's, ID it's, requirement for the repeater. Right, and the reason is, the reason is because. Every person who gets on there, they're part of that station ID. They're part of that that call right. sign. They're giving the call signs, right? So that automatically, that's automatically transmitting the call sign for the repeater. So as long as you're keeping that internal, like if you, a family's using it on a farm or something, or a family-owned business, and mm-hmm. they're just using them in, you know, well, I wouldn't say business because GMRS, you're not really supposed to be using it for businesses, but no, 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 you can. Well, you can if it's, but you have to license yeah, everyone. Yeah, it, you have to license everyone. Not cost-effective in some ways. Exactly, uh, but let's say for a family farm, let's say uh, it's it's used on a family farm, for example, uh, and everyone's just using it on the farm. It's not required. Right. They don't need it. And so it's 
fine to use a couple of, you know, set up a couple of KG-1000Gs and use them and not have to have that automatic ID. So, there. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, which gets us to the, the, the final uh, area here. Can... Uh, can I use a call sign from one service to another? I mean, we get we get a lot of questions about that. We get there there seem to be some misconceptions about how call signs can be used and whether they can be used across different services, much like the the radios are, you know. Right, and you you cannot use a call sign across services. Am I correct on that? That's correct. I guess. Uh I guess you could come up with an exception. You could, I could use my amateur call sign as my CB handle. Um, I I got around your, your yeah. Rule. Technically, I guess you could. You don't. You see a loophole there, Anthony? Oh, yeah, I think he got you. Uh, I think he did too. He got you. He got, he got me. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! It's all about loopholes. Yeah, it's true. But see that that brings up another misconception because there's been a lot of arguing back and forth in some of these groups about. Uh, well, the rules don't specifically state this and that. They're a little bit am, uh, ambiguous about certain things and uh, about using the call signs and, and where and how to use them. Um, not really, no. They're, it's pretty cut and dried. Um, but there are people that will go into the rules and try to find out where, okay, it states this, but does it really mean this Depends 100% on of, your you know. definition of is. Yeah. <laughs> your definition of is is. <laughs> but um but you know another misconception is that the uh, you know a licensed operator if you're licensed for multiple services can you use the call signs interchangeably? Uh no. If you're using them on the amateur frequencies, you have to use your amateur call sign. If you're using them on the GMRS frequencies, you have to use your GMRS call sign. Right. And uh, that's that's how that works. I'm going to start using Rick's call sign as my CB handle. Is, uh, that, is that legal? Can I do I don't that? No. <laughs> you got punked. I probably, it's the next episode I of Punk. <laughs> uh, what do you think out there? Do you think that uh, you could use your amateur or, or GMRS call sign as your CB handle? Um, let us know and, um, put in your thoughts here and we can, uh, you might want to, might, might want a t-shirt and some swag out of it. This is important to know because some people will say, well, you know, this, this, this is not really important. You can, I can do whatever I want with my call sign. And that's not true at all because, um, there are people listening out there. You give out, once you give out your call sign, because the call signs are public record, once you give out your call sign, people can easily look you up and identify you. And if somebody uh, has an issue with it, they're going to be putting a complaint into the FCC. It's not like the radios where you can't always tell who's talking on what radio. I mean, there are people right. that get away with that. But with the call sign, that's – you don't really want to mess with that's that. My, I, I kind of said earlier that I had some call sign problems. Uh, or some issues with the call signs. And that's the privacy is something that they need to address. Yeah, it and is. The, the fact that it you is. can key in any call sign and get someone's name and address and, and uh, phone number, maybe. I think, yeah, I think uh, you yeah, all that info. Yeah, yeah I think you, um, 
Maybe even email address. That's why I put Rick's address on mine. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot of the spam I've been getting lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, but they need when, to do something about that. You should be able to check a box and say, I want this to be kept private. Or, or blur it out. You know, blur, blur it out. There's no reason anybody needs that info. I mean, I did get, like, on my first ever QSO, like, two weeks later, I got a letter from somebody in Canada. I was like, I heard your, I heard your broadcast. Congratulations on your first QSO, blah blah blah, and, and sent me a a letter. They sent they sent it to in your the house. Mail. Yes, yeah, it, yeah. Oh my, yeah. You know, they get to. That's kind of creepy. It is a little creepy. You know what? Who else is creepy? What if they showed up to deliver it in person? With that, oh, that's even creepier. Again, they have Rick's <laughs> that, address. That's, so. <laughs> that's when you. That's when you have to start. Uh, Looking at the restraining orders and stuff. That's why Rick doesn't give his call sign over the podcast. He doesn't want the, the <laughs> mad podcast stalkers coming after him. You know, there's want, some crazy people want out there. Autograph pictures and stuff. There are some crazy people out there. There's not enough time uh, in the day for Rick to autograph as many. Yeah. I know. I know. You autographed a T-shirt for somebody. Yeah, I yeah, did. did. I did. did. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's probably uh, using the drive his car now. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's up there forging your right you never you just never know all right well i guess it covers uh that topic there any other final thoughts on on uh, no i learned a lot about call signs today I thanks rick i did too this is good info i, I didn't know uh, a lot of this and if I, any of it's I, I'm telling you words. <laughs> so i'm gonna put this on, on if i ever go on jeopardy and my <laughs> million dollar question is the W and the K, and why? I'll split the earnings with you because I—that's—that's that's, somebody's going to win some money off of that. That's one of those somebody is useless knowledge <laughs> that you know. Rick is so full of useless knowledge. I am. That's that's I am. Uh, that can that can win you some money someday. Don't get me started on TV and movie trivia. That's uh, uh, I wasted too much of my life watching TV. So, but um. Anyway, we have a couple of comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Uh, the first one comes from uh, Jay Bierman, and he wants to know, uh, is there a qualitative difference between direct conversion and superhat, one better than the other for GMRS? That's from Jay Bierman. There's, there's definitely a difference um, in the way the technologist uh, – in theory, the superhat receiver is supposed to be better than a direct conversion receiver. I think the simple answer is, I, it, I think it used to be a lot better than it is. Now it's just only slightly better but because, it, but because it depends, the, it's it so much depends on how well the direct conversion receiver is implemented. Like if you have a fifteen dollar radio. With its direct conversion, it uses an RDA circuit. It's the receive is probably not going to be as good as, let's say, a KG nine thirty five G that has direct conversion and is a, a better quality radio. Or, I mean, there's Motorola radios that use direct convert. The the super high end series that you know we don't even sell. You're talking, you know, seven eight hundred dollar radios, direct conversion, and. uh you get better receive on those than you're going to get off of a, a superhead receiver. Well, there was a time when direct conversion uh, was not all that great, but they've really improved on it on 
that quite a bit over the years. So now it's it's uh, pretty much uh, you can't say pretty much oh, on par in a lot of ways. You can't just say, "Oh, it's direct conversion." So I don't want that as inferior. It's not that simple. But generally, Superhead's better. If you buy, let's say, you buy an iCom, you buy a uh, typical two hundred dollar Motorola business radio, um, Superhead. They're going to be, you know, it, it's. It's a super het receiver type, and that contributes to the the quality receive. But it's not it's not the end. That's not it. All right. We have a couple more here. A couple of comments here uh, about the uh, approaching or theoretically the approaching uh, fee changes to uh, GMRS and amateur radio. This is from Anthony. Anthony says, per the Federal Register. Um, as of April 19, 2021, the new fees should already have taken effect. I called the FCC and got a response of, we are waiting for them to tell us to change the fees. Somehow, someone is not doing their job. And that's from Anthony. Um, different Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bet our Anthony is just as confused as that Anthony. Well, about we're when we're all confused. Change but, is gonna happen. You know, I, get, I, get, I got a call one time, and the guy was just irate that the fee changes have you have nothing is, to do is with there that? anything you could do about this? <laughs> I'm not buying a radio. Until... No, there's nothing I could do. We're not the FCC. I'm not. I, it's not I, our call. I don't work for the federal government. I'm not call, the FCC. Call Biden. Get him on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Um, okay, this one's from Eddie. And Eddie says, I have a feeling that the fee will still be $70 two years from now. And that's from Eddie. There's uh, – there's, uh, you know, for every positive thinking. <laughs> on the bright side, for every GMRS user that's complaining, there's a happy hammer who uh, because their fees are going from zero to thirty-five. Theirs are right. going up thirty-five. The GMRS fees going down thirty-five. Right. Here's another one. This is from a different different Anthony from oh, wow. that other Anthony. Wow. Different from our Anthony. Um, it says um, October twenty fourth, still seventy dollars. I filed a support request asking about the fee. I don't expect to hear anything back, sadly. That's from Anthony. <laughs> yeah, there's some people that are really, really uh, upset and disappointed. Because there really the, is. Yeah, there are a lot of them. There is a lot of people that are really upset about this. Yeah. Yeah, all the FCC's dragging their heels. and Let's I've, get all of our listeners to send support requests to the FCC to get this go. thing dropped there already. You go. Come on. Yeah, make it happen here. Um, and uh, our last one here comes from Wyatt. Wyatt wants to know, he's asking about the KGUV 950P. He wants to know, can the radio receive P25 digital on the 800 band, or do I need some sort of decoder? And that's from Wyatt. Um, no. It cannot. You can't uh, do that. That's, it's it analog. That's, that's, you know, this is an analog-only radio, so you're not going to get, you, you won't be able to receive any p 25 digital on on that band. Um, Coder's not going to really help you there because this is a analog circuitry. Yeah, you need a, radio. a P25 radio. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it does it for. It's a good question, though. It's a good question. It's a, oh. it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Great question, Wyatt. <laughs> Thanks, Wyatt. Thank you, Wyatt. All right, well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions in this episode. Send your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. 
If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. Of course, you can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it wherever podcasts are available. And you can also subscribe by email. I think I've told everybody this before. Uh, Just to remind you, if you click on the subscribe by email button on the Two-Way Radio Show podcast page at twowayradioshow.com, Enter your email address and you'll get the latest episode of the Two-Way Radio Show as soon as it's released. And uh, that's all it's for. That's all the email is for. All right, um, before we go, any final comments? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Peemster. And I'm Anthony Roque. And we're out. Out.